The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. No game for the Kansas City Chiefs on Super Wild Card Weekend, but still going to be paying pretty close attention to some of these playoff matchups, depending on who the Kansas City Chiefs will play in the divisional round, if we see some upsets in the AFC, or if it plays out like it's projected. So we'll begin today's show with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, discussing their marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' Week 18 win. After that, it's out of structure, discussing Patrick Mahomes and some of his stats of the year. After that, it's the Great British Chiefs show. They have a wild card preview for you. And then we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast, recapping some of the regular season moments for the Kansas City Chiefs. Then we'll finish things up with Show and BK taking another look at Super Wild Card Weekend across the NFL. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. It's that favorite time of your week. I know it. It's the world famous marinated turkey takeaways from this 31. <laughs> I am off my game. 31 to 13 win over the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, we will get into marinated takeaways in just a second. I said at the beginning of each segment, I will give you an update on the ice cream cakes. Let me flip this around for you guys. I've made, I've made a decent dent. Yeah, uh, made some in, progress there. In the yeah. cake there. Um, I would say I'm about 40 to 45% of the way done, which happened very fast. Uh, I, as I was doing some research article-wise on competitive eating, they say you should really go hard at the beginning <laughs> because the, you're, there's eventually going to be a wall uh, at a certain point. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I'm getting there. I do have water to go along with the energy drink. Unless the energy drink... I would say I'm about 25% done with the energy drink. So we're about a third through the podcast. So I feel like I'm making good, um, I'm making good progress. I have not taken any additional tums. So that's, that's the cake update. I'm very impressed that you uh, felt you needed to uh, read up on competitive eating before this episode of the podcast. That's very impressive, Tim, Pete. I can't believe you the, spent time doing that. The, uh, <laughs> the thing that I, I think that you don't know as an amateur competitive editor like myself now is that you're not supposed to just not have anything. So I had a little something this morning too, a little bit of oatmeal to kind of open the, open the, the, the gut up a little bit. So it's not like I, I haven't eaten at all today. 
Um, I'm I'm actually feeling okay. I, I will say I'm actually I'm actually feeling like this might be possible. I thought that maybe I'd hit to hit a wall and have to quit, but uh, mm. but I'm feeling like I'm feeling like I'm okay. Anyway, um, so that's the cake update. We will have another uh, cake update uh, before we get into the injury update, and then uh, John talking about the playoff picture in the, in the next segment. But let's get into these marinated takeaways, John, and, and uh, we'll go John and Steve, and then I will go third this time, just so I can get a little bit. Um, a little bit closer with this this cake here. Okay, John, so you go ahead. I loved the running game uh, in this game against the Raiders. It was, I think it actually might have been a little bit uh, more in the run, more snaps in the running game than there were in the passing game, um, which would be a very unusual thing for the Chiefs. But it was an appropriate time to do it. And, um, uh, and they showed that the offense could be effective. They put up a lot of points and could have put up more um, if they weren't at the end of a blowout, they could have scored easily on the last drive, uh, but chose not to because there was no point in running that risk of a, of a turnover there at the end of the game. Um, but it showed that the Chiefs offense can be very effective, even if they are uh, actually emphasizing the running game, um, which a lot of people, including myself, including Pete, have been talking about all season, uh, not necessarily emphasizing it, but using it a little more than Andy Reid typically does. And we definitely saw that on Saturday against the Raiders. I mean, it's so simple to me. Like, I just feel that that eye test wise, the offense always seems to tick better when mm-hmm. they yeah. they are able to run the football. I thought Ronald Jones was a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, and And I don't – I guess what I'm left wondering is – was the utilization of Ronald Jones a preview? Of, mm-hmm. Did they say to themselves, okay, this guy has fresh legs, let, let's get him going here because we're going to use him in the playoffs? Or was it because uh, he had eight carries for 45, hey, let's keep Isaiah fresh thing? Or was it a little bit of both? Do you, you have a take on that, John? I, I think that it's a little bit of both. I think there's also, uh, as you mentioned in your article after the game, I think it's possible that uh, they were. This is a little thank you to Ronald Jones for uh, being on the team all season and getting no role at all, essentially, and being cool with that. Um, we didn't really have a lot of trouble with Ronald Jones complaining about not getting playing playing time and that kind of thing, which easily could have happened. Um, I, I think he said something early in the season, but it was a minor deal. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big problem. And the chiefs are saying, okay, Ronald, we appreciate this. We want you to get some snap and snaps in this game. We'd love to see you score a touchdown. And those things happened. So I think that could be a little piece of it too. Um, the chiefs, you know, expressing their thanks to him in a game where they could afford to give him some snaps. Yeah. I agree. All right, Steve, what was your uh, first marinated takeaway? Um, my first marinated takeaway, and I do agree, uh, the running game was positive there. Uh, I think Ronald was just kind of getting some weak AT and carries, and so they were like, "We we kind of owe you one for bringing yeah. in and then yeah. not giving you any opportunities all season." Um, but mine just has more to do with the special teams and. You know, I thought last week when Dave Tobe spoke to the media was like, and you know, his pressers, uh, 
this isn't a shot at Uncle Dave, but his pressers are are usually pretty boring. And <laughs> I, I thought he was like as honest as he has been all season last week when he spoke to the media and was like, we have to be better. Like we're, we are not good. We are not mm-hmm. a good aspect of this team right now. And there was nothing in Saturday's game you could point to and be like, the special teams absolutely blew that. And they were awful. And it seemed like for weeks and weeks, it was every single week. It was blocked field goal, missed PAT, bad punt, whatever, just just fumbles and gaffes all over the place. And to just have one performance going into the playoffs where they didn't make any mistakes or impact the game negatively at all, I think is just huge for this team because they've been bad all season long. And I think I think to that point, too, it was a, a game in which that could have easily happened because Karrison Butker was – questionable entering it yes he had the back spasms pop up um but even from like a ball possession standpoint you didn't see any fumbles or anything like that like we have seen in previous weeks john you got something right uh yeah i I agree i think this was something that the special teams unit definitely needed to have you know at some point it becomes a thing that's rolling downhill and you can't stop it yeah and i think that might have actually started to happen with with the unit I, you know, you don't want to get too deeply into this psychological stuff with the football team because it still is about players making plays, et cetera. But you can't deny that that's a factor. And it had gotten to a point where the snowball's rolling downhill, and at some point you you can't get in front of it and make it stop. So you. You make it up. You making a snow globe joke here, John? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, but they did manage to get in a, a game where you know at least it was level for a minute, and and that's a that's a positive thing for the special teams and and uh, moving forward it should be it should be good. We'll see. I think I have a marinated takeaway that kind of combines both of these points in a way. Um. I put it in my rapid reaction after the game and it was just the idea of the chiefs playing a well-rounded complete game. Uh, I know that if, if you're really nitpicking the offense did have a little bit of sludge right out of the halftime, but look, I mean, you're not just, you're not going to always score in every possession. I think sometimes we like look at the chiefs and we're like, this should be a perfect machine. Oh, you know, um, the offense was good. Uh, the offense was was solid. I, I feel like if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you could find a way to put up 31 points, um, you should win every week. I think that uh, the defense was good. You know, you, that the 13 points, that came with 637 left in the game. We've talked about how, you know, those points at the end of the, it doesn't, but, you know, you, you take the gas off and you try to get, get the clock to run. So I'm not going to count even that garbage touchdown necessarily for the Raiders. Um, so I thought the defense played well. I think you're seeing the chiefs understand that if they don't turn the football over, they're going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something I tweeted yeah. out that the halftime is if they don't turn the football over, they're going to win. And in the, in the games, they, they didn't have any turnovers this year. They won them all. And, uh, I feel that way, even against the better teams in the playoffs. And, you know, we've talked about this in previous weeks. This is pretty cut and dry. You know, the Chiefs are built so well that if they win the turnover, I am having some indigestion. If, if they win the turnover <laughs> battle, that uh, they are, um, they're going to win. 
I mean, they're going to win most weeks, if not every week. Uh, and and I, like I said, I think that that importance becomes elevated in the, in the postseason. And and wrapping all this together, the special teams is a part of that, you know. And a lot of the problems that the Chiefs have had in these games that, that with negative turnover margins has been from the special teams. And right. that wasn't part of the equation here. So it, the, these things all meld together, as you said. All right. That's the first round of marinated takeaways. We got a second one. Um, let's go to John again. Okay. Um, I'd just like I, to wait. Point, yeah. a, sorry, John, not to cut you off. I don't know why. I know that we were going to give cake updates every so every the beginning of every segment. I don't know why, but it's making my brain slower. I like it. Definitely is. <laughs> I don't feel as sharp, and I I'm sure that you could hear it. I don't know if it's because of the sugar overload that I'm getting. That probably is what it is. Um, but I'm. I do not feel like I'm thinking clearly. So that's where I'm at. We're about halfway through the show. Anyway, John, you go at your uh You've got a day. nap coming later on, don't you? You're <laughs> going to be sleeping hard, I think. <laughs> I don't – I'm starting not to feel good. I mean, that that's yeah. something I will tell you. Um, yeah. So anyway, go ahead with your second takeaway. Um, I'd just like to point out that if there is one thing from this week and this game that is more Raider – than anything else it would have to be sitting Derek Carr for the last two weeks of the season because you're afraid that he might get hurt and you might have to pay him you know whatever them I didn't I didn't stop to look up what the money was okay but apparently the Raiders sat him down not because they wanted to see what Jared Stidham could do but because if he got hurt it would uh, turn on an injury guarantee in his contract and they'd end up paying him a bunch of money that they didn't want to pay him. Is that not a perfect illustration of how badly the Raiders have been handled in recent years? And I'm talking about Gruden and Mike Mayock specifically. I mean, we're just, what, a year removed from those those clowns. Um, and I, it's just it just struck Mayock. me as... <laughs> It just struck me as being wow. This is just incredible how how stupid this whole thing is is playing out. I, I, and then all this the stuff they did in the off season that hasn't panned out for them. You know these guys that they got to come in and and stop the Chiefs who weren't even active for the games against the Chiefs. I mean it's crazy how messed thing how messed up things are in Las Vegas. Well, the thing that has been a known thing in Vegas now from the. Um, from the early on to the season and to the middle of the season and forward is that they don't have the ability to fire J- Josh McDaniels. You know, you had the Denver Broncos who are have new owners and cash rich owners, and they, they were able to go one and done because they had to with Nathaniel Hackett. That was a non-option. And that's been a non-option for Las Vegas because of the cash behind um, Josh McDaniels. And so they're making decisions and, you know, the Chargers in the playoffs and the Chiefs might actually even see the Chargers. Um, but you have these other two teams that are disasters. I mean, I, I don't know how you expect the Broncos and Raiders to be competitive anytime soon. So I think it'll be a, a two team race for a while. So that, that lends credit to your point. So, although right. you do think oh. going back to a point you've made before that Russell Wilson might turn it around with the right coach in Denver but that's not the only I mean, problem I don't know. that they have. So he had a nice, <laughs> he had a nice week eighteen, um, and they have played a little bit better since they fired Nathaniel Hackett and have gone with 
his Jerry Rosberg, the it was a uh, brought in to be a a time management man. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, he can't uh, be worse here. next year. I don't think. I don't think he can be worse than he was this season. Yeah. No. That no. Um, there had been a thing going around about. Russ Wilson and passing touchdowns meeting the amount of bathrooms that he has in his house. And so I believe a few weeks ago he was able to get 12 and then he ended up getting a few more. So he, he did end up getting more passing touchdowns than, than, than bathrooms in his home. But this is also, this stat is also an offensive line stat because as much as Pacheco has, has grown over the year or, uh, you know, progressed over the year, I do think the run blocking has just com- gelled more and more. And has just really hit a stride down the stretch that it just seems like they're getting, you know, six yards at, at, at ease pretty much whenever they need to, um, especially on early downs. I know, you know, I, I know it feels like short yardage, you know, there, there's still some things where, you know, you'd like them to be a little more, um, you know, efficient and they, they trust the pass a little more than probably they, they need to at times still. But this is an offensive line stat. And I really think Pacheco has. He went to Rutgers. I don't think he had the greatest, um, you know, prep for the NFL in terms of, of, of run blocking and, 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 and lanes to see. And I think having that really good run blocking is allowing him to progress as well. And it's just they're both making each other really good. It's kind of, you know, they just, you know, kind of over and over again. And, and it's just going to lead into the playoffs with, a, with some momentum here. If, if we have catchphrases for the season of this podcast, one of mine has been as the offensive line and as Trey Smith goes, the running back room goes right. So (laughs) if you got Trey Smith working and putting people on their backs. um, Oh yeah. It doesn't matter who the running back is. They're going to get yardage. And, and he's been outstanding. Obviously the rest of the interior line. uh, If you look at some of the season long numbers, uh, they are consistently ranked at the top of each of their respective positions. You could easily have argued that all three deserve to be pro bowlers and potential all pros. This is a, a stellar interior offensive line, which makes this offensive line as a whole one of the best units in the league, even if there's questions at tackle. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, we talk about Trey Smith. He's really hit a stride, uh, you know, down the stretch because I think he's healthier, right? I think there, he was banged up earlier in the season at times. So was Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown was banged up with a little bit of a knee issue uh, earlier in the season. And I know that wasn't necessarily the case against the Bengals, which we saw some bad reps. So that's not to excuse him, but it is to say. It's well, two knee was out. Yeah, and Tooney, right, exactly. Tooney's another one. To, to So it is. that's why this bye week is important. But if they all are, if Tooney gets back going and feels good by divisional round, you're kind of hitting every, you know, everyone's kind of hitting it, you know, in full health and everything. And that's that's where you want to be, obviously. So, um, well, another running, let me, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say stick with the running back stats and let's talk yeah. about touchdowns. Yeah, I know. Jarek McKinnon, man, touchdown machine here. Um, he j- joined Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, and Jamal Charles as the only Andy Reid-era Chiefs players to score double-digit regular season touchdowns. And that's pretty amazing to me. He scores, you know, seven touchdowns in the red zone, which, you know, the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs led the league in red zone touchdowns this year. Travis Kelsey had 10 to lead the NFL in red zone touchdowns. Jarek McKinnon was in a tie for second in the league with seven red zone touchdowns this year. Just unbelievable the impact he made, especially down the stretch. Um, most of his touchdowns, I'm trying to get the exact number here, but most of his touchdowns came down the stretch. Only, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, only like one or uh, a few of his touchdowns came uh, early in the season before Clyde's injury. So that's the thing. That's why we talk about Clyde, you know, his role kind of at the beginning of the year. He had a few red zone touchdowns. Jarek's just seamlessly uh, stepped into it, and they've just utilized it, hammered it over and over whenever they get down there. 
you know, I, I, I do think it'd be nice to see them trust the run game more. I do. I think you need to do that in the postseason more. It's just, you know, less risky, in my opinion, if you can just pound it in behind Trey Smith and Creed like we we're just talking about. But man, if you got a, a weapon like McKinnon who just finds his way, you know, into open space, you know, when there's not a lot of space to work with in the red zone, Mahomes finds him, man. It's 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 a great combination. Yeah, it's pretty impressive when you look at the red zone efficiency. You know, there was most of the, the season the Chiefs were in pretty good shape there. I think there was a, a lull there towards yes. the end of the season where they they fell off a little bit. But if they've got uh Kelsey, um You've got McKinnon, and then again, Clyde had six um, red zone touchdowns yeah. on his own. Yeah, and McCole Hardman had what I think it was four, if I remember right. Yeah, actually five. Yeah, five of his six touchdowns this year are in the red zone. So you've got a lot of those guys, in, and if you look, there's a pattern there, right? It's your it's your shiftier guys that can that are in space. Um, um, it's not necessarily your jump ball, fade route type guys that were catching those passes. It's the guys that know like you said, how to operate in limited space, how to find that open spot, how to keep moving, keep the play alive, because Mahomes does that better than anybody else. And you saw it against the Raiders in the first touchdown to McKinnon. Yep. Mahomes scrambles to his left and, uh, and waits until the whole defense comes his way before he flips it in the end zone to McKinnon. So um, it's nice to see them execute there and to have just a wide variety of players that are red zone threats. So when they get the ball down there, uh, it's not going to be super predictable. You're not going to know exactly right. who they're going to go to. Um, I will point out one more stat about McKinnon from our guy, Matt McMullen at the, at the mothership, as we used to call it uh, on Arrowhead pride at the, at the, from the chief's PR staff, Jarek McKinnon finished the regular season with nine receiving touchdowns. The first running back in the NFL to catch nine or more touchdowns in the season since Marshall Falk in 2001. Ooh. So, Mentioning McKinnon in the same breath as Marshall Falk sounds pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, but uh, yeah. but he, he was that good this season in that specific uh, aspect of the game. Yeah, no, he really was. And 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 I actually I don't know if I mentioned it on here. I I talked about it on our uh, AP Radio last week. Which make sure you're checking. Um, it's on the podcast channel too, uh, with Pete Sweeney on on Six Ten Sports. Um, the fact that McKinnon was split out wide uh, against, uh, was it Denver at home uh, a couple weeks ago? And he actually ran like a deep in route and gained like 20 yards on it. Um, I don't know if anyone caught that, but he's he's very versatile, man. And they're just going like to, and and when I say versatile, I also am talking about, uh, and I know we're going to talk about Snow Globe, but, you know, taking snaps too. And, and actually I got a red zone article coming out and I'll, and I'll talk about that. But McKinnon can do a lot in the red zone, more than you'd even think, uh, you, know, at the, you know, from any running back. So it, it, it is an exciting thing for, for a guy like Andy Reid to mess with. And for a guy that we didn't even know would be on the roster this year, that was sort of a last minute, you know, Hey, they re-signed McKinnon. We're like, okay, yeah, sure. Great. You know, know right. But, but it worked out. Uh, he's been the guy coming down the stretch, just like he was last year. And, and hopefully that continues on through the playoffs. Well, sticking on the offensive side of the ball. Um, a couple other stats that I thought were fun. Um, first of all, just looking at the playoff picture and, and Patrick Mahomes, I couldn't help but laugh when I saw that Patrick Mahomes at age 27 is the oldest AFC quarterback that made the playoffs. Um, that was from our guy Keaton on Twitter. I thought that was uh, – I had to kind of do a double take. I'm like, wait, is that right? And luckily he said AFC only because obviously the NFC right. has, has the oldies uh, in there. But yeah. – uh, but at 27 years old, he's the oldest. 
You can flip that and say he's also by far the most experienced quarterback in the AFC playoffs and the one with by far the most postseason games and, and wins and, and stats. Right. Um, he's seen it and done it all already at age 27. He's won a Super Bowl. Uh, he's lost a Super Bowl. Um, he's, you know, come back from, from massive deficits in the playoffs. This is a, a seasoned veteran in his age 27 season uh, like no other. Yeah, you know, what's funny, too, is like, it's not like it's some, okay, just none of the older quarterbacks got in. Like, look at the AFC. There's no older quarterbacks there anymore. I mean, Mahomes really is the oldest quarterback of any, you know, solidified starting quarterback in the AFC. I mean, you know, Ryan Tannehill is, is on his way out of Tennessee, I would imagine. You know, they got to start rebuilding. They just fired everybody this week, so I imagine that's going down. You know, uh, there's no more Big Ben in, in, in Pittsburgh, right? And, uh, you know, Derek Carr, he's on his way out there. Who knows where he's going to end up? Maybe he ends up on another AFC team, but I'm not, you know, I don't, he, it would be kind of cool to see him on a, you know, with a, you know, with a, a better team around him. Although the Raiders aren't a bad team by any, by any stretch of the means uh, around a quarterback. But anyway, it is interesting. It is, it is, it is fascinating. I like that stat, Stacks. And now also from Pete Sweeney on Twitter, the Chiefs this year set a franchise record for the most yards in franchise history, seven, uh, 7,032. Wait, is that right? 7,032 yards in 2022. Yeah, I mean, that sounds right. Yeah. Going over the record they set in 2018. Um, so, yes, that 2018 team probably could have beaten this, uh, this record uh, had they had one more game to play, like the 17 game season uh, the Chiefs just had. But to, again, to think about this being a rebuilding year, this being the first year without Tyreek Hill, this being a year where uh, you didn't have a really clear, you know, number one wide receiver uh, for for them to to eclipse their yardage total in the most prolific offense we've we've seen uh, in in Kansas City in in decades. Uh, that was uh, pretty cool to see. Yeah, I because I, I do think this offense, it's probably the most comparable Chiefs offense has been to 2018 because I think since 2018 teams have respected Mahomes so much that you just haven't been able to be you know as just I I, I would say cumulative I would say because now you're seeing Mahomes break the record for most total yards of any quarterback in NFL history I mean it goes hand in hand they've just been just not been able to be stopped I, I saw something where it's a historic season for Mahomes in terms of first down conversion rate right like how many first downs he gets per snap or per attempt right so it, it's it, it's definitely the most uh, just consistently uh, good, I guess, the offense has been since 2018. And I'm glad the stats reflect that because it does – I feel like the eye test shows that too. And it's just a testament to Mahomes because this is the first year that he hasn't had Tyreek Hill. And and obviously you pointed at that. So that's just – it is crazy. It is crazy. And speaking of Tyreek Hill, you do have to laugh that uh, Jarek McKinnon scored nine touchdowns <laughs> this season uh, as a backup running back or situational <laughs> running back. And Tyreek Hill had seven touchdowns uh, in a record-breaking uh, season for him, which is – he had 1,700 total yards himself, 119 receptions. Uh, so obviously a big year for Tyreek. No, no shade being thrown at him. But it's just, to me, that speaks to how they made up for the production loss with Tyreek Hill. 11 different Chiefs catching touchdown passes. Uh, you very frequently had 10 in a game that would catch a pass uh, for, from Patrick Mahomes, uh, including the game, was it last week, when it was 11 because Mahomes caught a pass himself yeah uh, so it was uh it was one of those seasons where 
you know, they, they didn't necessarily have this uh, standout number one wide receiver, but they just threw the ball to everybody everywhere all the time. And, and it worked. Um, and, and that's a testament to the offensive line. It's a testament to the play callers. It's a testament, uh, most of all, to Patrick Mahomes. This buy is so important because it just means that you only have to face two of those guys. Yeah. Two of them. And it will either be a week Saturday, they will most likely, unless an upset happen, be one of Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And then after that, unless upsets happen, will be Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. But whatever way it falls in the AFC, whoever makes it to the Super Bowl, has earned it in like the hardest of ways because this AFC playoffs is an absolute gauntlet this year. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, I'm just looking there as well. I'm, I'm thinking if if the Chiefs did get the two seed, we'd yeah. have been playing against the Dolphins. Yeah, we'd have had the Tyreek Hill story to deal with. We would have had the Tyreek Hill. Then we would have had to play. Then we would have had to play the Bengals. Yeah, for a rematch, obviously of last year, and then we would have had to face. The Bills, yeah. In the AFC Championship game, I mean, how tough does that sound? That would have been that sounds tough, doesn't it? It would have been so hard. It would have been so hard. And now the Chiefs are in a position where they only have to face one of Joe Burrow and or Josh Allen. Yeah, they might not have to face either of them. But if we might, I don't think we'd be that lucky. But um, I don't think we'll be. Yeah. Um, lucky. Um, but that's that's the position the Chiefs are in. But they deserve to be in that position because obviously they're the number one seed. But I'm looking at this weekend's games and I can't, unless Lamar makes a recovery and plays like Lamar, Mm. those two games involving the Bengals and the Bills, I can only see blowouts. Yeah. I I honestly, I I can. I think the the Bills are going to destroy the the Dolphins Mm -hmm. um, because we don't know what's happening with Tua. Again, we don't know what's happening yet. It's a bad time. It's a bad time to be playing the Bills. Yeah, really bad. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, um, I think the Dolphins actually done the Steelers a favor, to be honest, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, I, I think he could have been bad for the Steelers once again. Yeah, last year that's come to our head for the two versus seven this year. They they just missed out on having to go to Orchard Park and face the Bills. So, yeah, the, the Dolphins done them a favor. And then the other one, the Bengals versus the Ravens. The Ravens did rest a load of guys when they played on Sunday, admittedly, but. I think the Bengals are such a complete team. I do. I, yeah. I, I think both sides of the ball, they're very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. And when the Chiefs, if or if the Chiefs do end up playing the Bengals in the playoffs, it's it's basically going to come down to can they do what they didn't do last year against the Bengals, and that's get after Joe Burrow. Well, it's whoever because, has the last the last touch of the ball. I think. I think. No, I, I think it's no. I think it's it's. I think it's much more than that. I think it's can they get after Joe Burrow. Yeah. Because you need you need to find a way to get Joe Burrow off his spot. If you can't get him to the quarterback, he will just rip you rip you to shreds. So yeah. let's, let's let's talk about the big one though, because we're both accepting that the Dolphins and the Ravens will probably roll over and die for the, the Bengals and Bills. So oh, yeah. that which means the Chiefs will face the winner of the Chargers versus the Jags. Yeah, and this is the only game of the weekend I consider a coin flip. Yeah. The Maybe moment. the Giants, the Giants Vikings as well. I think he's probably a coin flip. But yeah. this, 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 this particular game between the Chargers and the Jags is the only game that I look at out of the six and think this could be a very good playoff game. 
Yes. I think it'll be very quite even, but I think going into this, I honestly feel the Jags seem more more the team that's more on a roll than what the Chargers are at the minute. They're in better form, yeah, but they yeah. didn't play very well against the Titans. No, they were no, no, yeah, they, they were not good against the Titans. No at all. So um, but they seem to have just ironed out a few things, like you said, <laughs> when we saw them against the uh against the Broncos in at Wembley. What a terrible game. That was one of the worst games we've ever seen. And mm. to see that Jaguars team now in the playoffs really kind of set up with a, a 50-50 matchup with the Chargers here because the yeah. Chargers have not been great. But we've always said about the Chargers, they always have a really good roster. And that's the only thing that I'm looking at at the moment that I think might just tip it in the Chargers' favour. Yeah. Well, let's go. Let's go for it. So, quarterbacks. What, what we say about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert? Like, if you if you're a GM now and you've got to take one of them, which one are you taking? Are you I'm probably taking. Uh, yeah, I'd say Herbert. Yeah. Offensive weapons: Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler versus Travis Etienne, Marvin Jones, um, Christian. Etienne's Kirk. brilliant mind. I do like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I probably again take the charges because I just think Mike Williams is that much of a problem for anyone. And I know he's having back spasms because yeah. they stupidly decided to play their stars the other week. They've lost Joey Borster as well, haven't they? Is he, is he out now? Is he out? I don't know if he's actually out, but it, I mean, to play him in that last game, I think really, why? what are yeah. you thinking? Yeah, just mad. He's just and the, the, I think the defences are both good. Like, I think the Jags have the advantage in coaching though. This yeah. is because, Doug, not Doug Marone, Doug Peterson, Doug Marone used to be their coach. Doug Peterson. Maybe they just like hiring Dougs. Nobody will get that. Nobody will get that. What, what skier and patty mayonnaise? Yes, they absolutely will get oh, that. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's an American cartoon. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. It's an American cartoon made for British. <laughs> no. They absolutely know who Doug, patty mayonnaise and Skeeter are. Oh, all right, okay. Uh, yeah, anyways, Doug Peterson over Brandon Staley. I, I'll take I'll talk Doug, Doug Peterson. So, yeah, I, basically what I was saying was irrelevant because they, they're so evenly split. <laughs> it's yeah. just a coin flip. It, is it a really flip. is. And wh- which one would you rather face, Arrowhead? Jags. I think that's the right. Yeah, problem. I would rather face the Jags. Um, the Chargers still scare me. I don't know. I, I'll be honest. It, 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 I think the roster just still scares me. I mean, even with, if they... Don't have Joey Bosa there because he's, you know, he's one of the players I I really hate the Chiefs facing mm-hmm. is Joey Bosa. But, um, but I think the Jags I think would be easier for the Chiefs to to play against because it, again it comes down to the roster. I think I think that's the only thing that I'm looking at there. Um, yeah, and we've played we've we... played the Chargers twice this year and we've beaten by three points both times. Exactly. Um, I just don't like playing divisional teams. I never do. Yeah. Um, so I'd rather charges are due. The charges are due one against us, exactly. And, and they're getting close, yeah. And they'll be fully healthy as well if they come. Well, mostly on offense, if they come to they've actually just acted well, they've activated Rashawn Slater's 21 day window to come back from IR, yeah. and so there's potential that he could be back. I don't want to face the charges, like we shouldn't be scared of anyone because we have Patrick Mahomes, because we have all this wealth of playoff experience because we're at our ahead. But all those reasons, we should not be scared of anyone. Yeah. But the Chargers play are so close and they have done for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they're going to have to get one. Law of averages says they're going to get one. Yeah. And it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. 
It, ha- it, it does happen from occasions, but it is hard to beat a divisional team three times in a year. Yeah, we've already played the Jags this year and we beat them as well. Yeah. But I, I would rather face the inexperience of the Jags team um, and probably face a team that feel like they're lucky to be there in the first place mm. as opposed to a Chargers team that, although they're not part of the ASC three, firmly believe that they should be knocking on the door for it. So, yeah, and what better of an opportunity than to come to Arrowhead and try and knock off the number one seed. So, yeah, I I, I will be rooting for the Jags this the week. Jags. And it's it's weird because you, you feel bad for, like, rooting for your next opponent because it's almost a sense of, oh, you're taking them lightly. Like, Jags fans won't appreciate or Jags players won't appreciate Chiefs fans cheering them on because it means that they don't respect them as much as the Chargers. Because that's <laughs> yeah. essentially what it means. Yeah, it is. We but, want you because you seem easier. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So they, they won't like that. But if we're being honest with ourselves, everyone wants the easiest route to the Super Bowl, don't they? They, 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 they? If we could, we'd be playing the Steelers and we'd be playing the Raiders up, up to the um, Super Bowl. But we're not. We're, 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 we're not going to be that fortunate. So... Yeah, I, I think I think wanting the Jags to win is the right thing for Chiefs Kingdom. Yeah. Should we love, have a look over on the other side? The yeah. NFC. 49ers versus Seahawks. That will be like last night's college football championship. 65. <laughs> An absolute blowout. <laughs> yeah. By the way, people ask me why I don't like college football. That's the reason why. Yeah. yeah. Anything can happen. No, not anything can happen. It's just they're more often than not blowouts happen. I just don't like college football. Seven seventy eight. There is a reason. Blowout. There is a reason why you and I aren't on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast channel draft build up. There's a reason because <laughs> we don't watch it. Because we don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. The last five college football national championship games, the average margin of victory has been twenty nine points. Was it? Yeah. And people you don't want to watch one like that, do you? You want to you want to watch a close game, yeah. Especially if it's like a Super Bowl, you want to you want to. Re- well, I, mean, I can a- I can only re- I can only remember two Super Bowls like that. Mm. Yeah, um, in recent years, one of them involved us, unfortunately, against the Bucks, oh, and the other one was the Broncos one when they got absolutely battered by the Seahawks, forty-seven nine. God, yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. That, do you know that one? That one seems like an age away. Well, it was ten years ago, nearly. I know, but it feels longer than that. That was Andy Reid's first season in Kansas City. The Broncos got bad for them. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. I wonder, and I'm curious, where Kansas City will be without him, Mark. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scary proposition to think of, and, that, and that's probably one of the bigger parts of the blowout. I would also consider the AFC West sweep, which we mentioned as a possibility going into this game. Now it's officially official. Kansas City goes 6-0. and in the AFC West in 2022. Talked to Nick Bolton about this after the game and said, hey, a lot of chatter going into this into this season about Javante Adams coming into the division, Russell Wilson coming into the division, new head coaches, Kansas City losing one of the premier wide receivers in the sport. 
And here we are on the heels of wildcard weekend talking about a 14 win team that has once again earned the one seed in the conference, Mark. Yeah, I mean, like you always say, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. This is not normal. Uh, this is not going to last forever. So Chiefs Kingdom needs to really bask in this moment and just cherish it, man, because you can get caught up in it. And before you know it, it's over, right? <laughs> so definitely cherish the moment, man. It's very special. Before the year, everybody was talking about how this is going to be the hardest division of all time. You said that too, Mark Gunnels. Don't, don't do that. You called this one of the greatest divisions in all of NFL history. Don't make me go back and find a tweet. Because I know you had it out there somewhere. All right. Because I know you'll find it in five seconds. I, I said, I said, so here's a, a, I said, so here's a question. Let me ask this, though. For, for Yes, from a talent perspective and all that. But what went wrong? Or I guess what went right for Kansas City to be able to run the table and, and sweep through one of the most talented divisions ever put together on paper? Well, it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of injuries. But I think the biggest thing is coaching. Because that's one thing the Chiefs had the major advantage in heading into the season was coaching. Because you had Brandon Staley, a lot of question marks about his decision-making. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett, first-time head coach. Josh McDaniels, he failed before as a head coach. Why is he even a head coach again? So these were real questions that people kind of ignored because of the talent. They thought maybe the talent could be so overwhelming that it could overshadow the coaching deficiencies. And that obviously wasn't the case. And then obviously you have the advantage as quarterback as well. Even though you do have Justin Herbert, who I think is a top five quarterback. So I don't think the gap is that wide as far as the, the coaching gap is. But Russell Wilson was, was supposed to still be a guy. Wasn't the same guy. Derek Carr, you know, top 15-ish quarterback. He got benched his last couple of weeks of the season. So you know, just a lot of things didn't go as planned, but I think the ultimate thing at the end of the day was coaching matters, and the gap there is huge, and it showed in the standings and the records in the AFC West this year. I'm going to give you a little credit. This is from Mark A. Gunnels on Twitter from uh, September 12, 2022. He says the AFC West won't be the gauntlet everybody thinks. The Chiefs and the Chargers are miles ahead of – the other two teams. You're so, going to have to hey, to pack me up. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give credit where credit is due. Mark Gunnels did. He did correct that. A, a couple more records uh, for Kansas City. Kind of just going through stuff uh, from Chiefs Raiders week 18 and kind of the wraps of the regular season. How about Nick Bolton in the season that he had for Kansas City? He is the single season leader as far as tackles are concerned, he passed Derek Johnson's record, 180 tackles in the season for the second-year linebacker out of the University of Missouri. Derek Johnson goes on Twitter and says, congrats on breaking my record. I've been watching you all season long, bro. Not surprised at all. Love the way you stay alive to be a part of almost every play. Cool to see that from Bolton, a guy who's maybe not the most vocal leader, um, but has absolutely shown with his play style that he can make an impact on defense. Yeah. I mean, 100%. This is a guy that flies around the field. He seems to always be around the football, obviously, reflecting in how many tackles he's had this season. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of question marks before about, you know, he's not the best in coverage and he's not the most athletic guy. But you can kind of mask some of that when you have the instincts and he has the high IQ. Like, the guy knows football. He's like a quarterback out there. He has the green dot for a reason. And that, that's a big responsibility 
especially for a second year guy to, oh, yeah. to have, that, have that responsibility this early on in his career. So that's a testament to how knowledgeable he is and how much he understands uh, different formations and what teams want to get in and where the ball is going and things of that nature. So shout out to him, man. And uh, hopefully he gets maybe probably won't get some all pro love second pro all pro or anything like that. Cause he didn't make the pro bowl for some reason, but I do think he does deserve some type of recognition uh, for the season that he's had. I saw he's a finalist for the Butkus award given annually to the league's best linebacker. Let's talk about some wide receivers first. It's the numbers in on Marquez Valdez Scantling's first regular season in Kansas city. And this is a guy that's been very, very uh, popular or click worthy trend worthy on social media 81 total targets 42 catches 687 and two touchdowns how about you grade mvs's first regular season for me mark you want a letter grade or one through ten let's get a letter grade here and 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 give a little context to why you're giving that that letter okay i'll give him a c plus Mm. um he he did about what you would expect i mean this was a guy in green bay that was never a first or second option He's around his career uh, totals per year. Uh, but the reason why I would probably give him a C plus, which is, you know, not, you know, it's average, a little bit above average, depending on how you look at it. Um, he had a lot of drops. He had a lot of drops this year, a lot of Jekyll and Hyde. And the, the funny thing is, it seems like he'll catch the hard ones, but he'll drop the routine ones, right? We kind of heard that coming in, coming into his team yeah. in Kansas City. Yeah, and if you listen, yeah, if you listen to Packer fans; they were warning Chiefs fans on social media about that all offseason, and it came to fruition when she saw him play a full seventeen game schedule. So, you know, I mean, it depends on your expectations for him, though. Everything is uh, subjective, right? Because I didn't expect you know, these gaudy numbers. I'd expect 70 catches over a thousand yards with eight touchdowns. I didn't expect anything like that. I expected pretty much where he's at. So um, yeah, I think C plus is about fair. Uh, I would agree. I'm in that, I'm in that high C low B range. He's your third option. Realistically. I know there's a lot of chatter about um, the misconnections between him and Mahomes and them not being able to really be on the same page. I'm hitting yellow light lad on that one. He's not being cut. He's not being replaced. He will be in Kansas City next year. And he's a valuable part of what they like to do as far as stretching the field is concerned. Juju Smith-Schuster goes 78 catches, 933 receiving yards, which I think hit an incentive in his contract and three touchdowns. I think he's absolutely vital to what they like to do on offense, especially in that short to intermediate range. Um, His first season in, in Kansas City, to me, has to be seen as an A. I wonder what you think uh, as far as Juju's first year in KC. I'm going B plus, so a little bit below your A. Uh, I think the the last few weeks he's kind of been quiet. Uh, I'm not sure if that's scheme related or guys are just covering him better. I'm not 100% sure, but he hasn't been uh, as effective as he was the first seven or eight weeks when we were thinking, wow, for guys that haven't played together, they seem to have really good chemistry between him and Mahomes, right? But overall, he's been really good. I mean, like you mentioned before, he's a guy that can uh, move the chains. You know, he's uh, the second, I guess you could say, Travis Kelsey in a way. Yeah. He's a big body receiver. He's kind of like a tight end in a way. I mean, the guy is huge. So I, I do think he he holds value there as far as a possession receiver. And he's, he's had a couple of splash plays here and there, especially with uh, some surprising yak. You know, uh, he gives you some yards, yards after catch every now and then as well. And another thing that we don't talk about when we talk about receivers and we need to talk about a little bit more, he's been really good at blocking. 
Yeah, but he's a really good blocking wide receiver as well. Like he sets the edge on the outside for guys in those sweep, those uh, jet sweeps and those trick plays and reverses and things of that nature. He did it um, on the Jet McKinnon game winning touchdown play against Houston. Remember when uh, they, they said uh, he basically said to him before the play, "Hey, I've got you. Come behind yeah. me." So his blocking is very valuable as well that people don't really look at look at that much for receivers. So I think a B a B plus is fair. You know, blocking isn't sexy enough, and I, I think most average fans yeah. and most average media members, we don't really look at that as something that we can easily quantify. But you're but you're right about that, and that skill is something that is extremely valuable for Kansas City. I think he demands uh, high teens as, as far as um, going into this offseason asking teams. I mean, he's if you take away the concussion game that he missed, and you can basically count what a game and a half that he didn't play uh, a thousand yard receiver here in Kansas city and be interesting to see what he, um, what he garners in the offseason. one more wide receiver. And it's uh, a reserved futures deal. According to, to NFL network, John Ross coming into Kansas city. He was the ninth overall pick in 2017, still 27 years old, not eligible for any of the postseason play this year, obviously, but I think this is, a, in the words of Mark Gunnels, this is a Brett Veach special, Andy Reid special. Um, you, you bring a guy who's got a first-round grade, maybe hasn't developed or fully reached the potential in the pros. You come in, you kick the tires here in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes leading the offense and see what happens going into a training camp in next season. Aaron, I want you to find somebody that loves you as much as Brett Veach loves former first-round picks. I I mean, this guy loves former first-round picks. And you know what? I love it, too. If I was a GM like Brett Veach, I would do it, too, because they're all low-risk, potential high rewards. And the thinking is, these guys were first-round picks for a reason. I mean, they can't be just complete scrubs. And if you're thinking, well, if I can get him into my situation under Andy Reid, the best play caller, the best quarterback, with the best tight end, a top five offensive line, hey, if it doesn't work here, it's not going to work anywhere. So that's the thinking. I understand it. Similar to why they traded for Kadarius Toney, another former first-round pick. That's paying dividends right now. He looks really good when he's on the field. So, look, John Ross is a guy that at the combine, at the time, he broke the 40-yard record, the 40-yard dash record. Can't coach that. Yeah, and he's only 27 years old, so the guy is not old. So, hey, I, I don't see the downside of it. It doesn't work out. You're not paying that much money anyway, so why not? So it's one of those another annoying moves for other fan bases out there. It's like, wow, the Chiefs got another weapon. I saw it on the timeline. They're going to make it work with John Ross, aren't they? Because they saw what's going on with Tony right now. So they're like, here we go again, another speed guy, another guy that can do jet sweeps with and some gadget stuff. Get him out in space. So I love it. Why not? All right. Listen, we don't we don't have any scores to predict or anything like that because the Chiefs aren't playing. Who y'all think they're gonna play next week? Because the possibilities are the the Ravens, they play the lowest seed, right? The Ravens, right. Yeah. the Dolphins, and then the Jags and the and the um and the Chargers. So if Fordo Sage's own Skylar Thompson leads the Miami <laughs> Dolphins to a win, when I believe Demar Hamlin is probably going to be in the house uh, in, in Orchard Park in Buffalo, can I can I can I add to that, Ron? Please, 
They shouldn't do that this week. They they should bring him in next week. Next week, wait. Oh, don't shoot, that's, uh, don't yeah. bring don't bring Demar out for this week. You, <laughs> no, you gotta, he's coming. He's coming uh, out every week. You got to you got to do that next week against the Bengals. The, uh, the Bengals. And it's not. And the Dolphins limped into the playoffs. Like the Dolphins, the Dolphins Limp, are like, they were shot in the back. The <laughs> <laughs> army crawling into this thing. I mean, what is? T- I mean, Teddy's got to be in a bad spot. For them to go, he's to got Fort a broken Osage. finger. Oh, that's all right, man. I try it. Fort Osage is on. Listen, I respect <laughs> Skyler. Come on, all right. I don't. In all but... seriousness, if Raheem Mostert was healthy, and he's apparently not going to play he's this got week, a bad either. finger too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he was healthy, I think they should bring back the Ronnie Brown original Wildcat and just go with that. I think it would have. Honestly, put Tyreek back there. Yeah, I would have, honest to God, put Tyreek back there. You know Tyreek is going to kill himself to get to Kansas City. Do you know how bad (laughs) Tyreek was with that game to get to Kansas City? But listen, there ain't no way the fight Skylar Thompson's. And and, and shout out my guy, Justin Hoover, who I know was uh, a quarterback coach and was Skylar Thompson's quarterback coach. Um, and and listen, I love I love you, Justin. Your boy ain't got a chance. You and I both know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and to be honest, to be honest, Justin, man, you you had to you had to get some some other guys. One of your other guys is Drew, is Drew um, Drew Locke. Man, we got to pick this up, Justin. You got to get some. You got to hey. get a successful starter in this league. Anyway, hey Ron, you, do you know the last time was so they're they're a thirteen and a half point underdog. The Dolphins are just thirteen. Do you know when the last time was that a uh, a play- in the playoffs a team won a game in which they were a thirteen point underdog or greater? No. <laughs> the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl against the Rams in two thousand and two. It's been a minute. It's been twenty <laughs> years. It, it, they're due. They're due. One of the, one of the biggest upset wins <laughs> of in NFL history. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that. Yeah, I just, <laughs> you just listen, man. I ain't got a shot. So the and that required play. some cheating. <laughs> I really, yeah, I really like your thought to hold off on Demar Hamlin. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting thought, man. Hey, Demar, man, we love you, man, but we ain't gonna do that. But <laughs> Joe Burrow, like we do that, we ain't doing that for no damn Skylar Thompson. Joe Burrow, we'll roll through and do that there for you. So listen, I don't think the Dolphins have a chance in hell. Uh, and then now Lamar Jackson has cleared himself out um, uh, for this game with the sprain PCL grade two that's nearing grade three, according to Lamar. And, and he's ruling himself out of this playoff game. So they don't have a chance in hell to beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals in Cincinnati. So Ron really, t- Huntley might not be able to play either. Yeah, I don't yeah. Think he is he's either, been yeah. limited in practice all week. Yeah, so. I think, I think that, I think. Tony Banks is probably where they're going to have to go. Uh, I don't know if Tony Banks is still rolling. Um, I mean, they probably got a better chance than John Harbaugh. Where is uh, where's my man who used to play at Penn State? Wasn't he a backup for them? I guess he ain't there no more. McSorley? He, he's yeah, down in Arizona. Trace. Oh, Damn, they can't get Anthony they can't. Brown is their third string. Yeah, Tony Brown. They can't get Trace real quick. Uh, but no, they don't have. Where's Josh either. Johnson? I feel like somebody needs to call Somewhere. Josh Johnson. <laughs> He's so. I uh, think who are, who was Josh with last? He was with somebody just just recently that was struggling with quarterbacks. Can the Panthers just release PJ Walker? So oh, they have, they have a shot. They would have a shot. No, uh, they don't have a chance either, man. So Josh Johnson feels, was in San Francisco this year. San Francisco, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
it feels like this is going to come to the matchup between the Jags and the Chargers. And this is a this is a real quandary I think Chiefs fans are in. Because for me, fellas, if you're saying, all right, Chiefs win a championship this year, if you're one of those who says, I would like the easiest road travel, well, I think it's the Jags. But to me, I would be shocked off my ass if we came on this show two weeks from now and we are discussing Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and company walked into Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes in this team. I'd be shocked off my ass. So I, I think Jacksonville is the team. If they get in Jacksonville, if they get Jacksonville, I feel very, very good about the Chiefs playing in the AFC Championship game. Now the Chargers, on the other hand, this about been, this been about two years that these jokers then played tight games. It feels like every one of them. I know both of these, both this year could have gone either way. Last year could have gone either way, and hell, they beat the Chiefs the first time last year. That one. If I'm being completely real and straight up and 100 with you, like I, I think I think the Chargers are very could very well beat the Chiefs. That would not shock me at all. I could see the Chiefs being in one of those as I remember back in 1995 and 1997, going over to my mom's best friend's house and Paul Knight saying 13 and three down the drain, <laughs> 13 and three down the drain. Like I could see a divisional playoff loss. To the Chargers, but if the Chargers lose to the Jags, I think I, I, wouldn't you say that Brandon Staley's job might be on the line? Like, would you say like you could see him getting fired if the Chargers lost that game? Certainly, if their offense doesn't perform well, because I don't think Mike Williams is going to play in this one. And Brandon Staley has been answering questions all week about why he decided to play his starters into the fourth quarter in a completely meaningless meaningless game last week, which is, I mean, coaching malpractice. And his response was, well, we've only got 48. Yeah, yeah, Brandon, we, we know. You've got 48 guys that you could have gone with in that game. Mike Williams didn't need to be one of them. Isn't, like it, he, crazy? isn't it crazy? A, a isn't, it, isn't it crazy the geniuses, the boy wonders, are the ones who do just common sense, stupid-ass things? Mike Williams has dealt with an ankle injury all season. All season. Let's add the back to it. You're the Chargers, man. You're the Chargers. Somebody has a voodoo doll that they're just poking at all times. You had a quarterback. Todd Haley wouldn't have done it. Todd Haley wouldn't have done it. Guther Cunningham wouldn't have done it. You had a doctor with a, like, malpractice suit against him. Paul Hackett wouldn't have done it. Nate, uh, old Nat, Nat Hackett. Yeah, um, it's, now his son may have, but Paul Hackett wouldn't have done it. it. It's baffling. It's it's absolutely baffling. But so the reason why I think that that could end up costing him his job, Ron, is because you look at the, this game against the the Jaguars. Chargers, if there's Chargers fans out there, they're expecting them to win this game. The the Chargers were expected this season to finally put things together. And if they aren't able to do that offensively and you look back at their season and they've got Justin Herbert, who had the lowest average depth of target in the entire NFL this year, that is unacceptable. And they did all that all year long. And then you play your your wide receiver that's been hurt all year long in week 18, only to go down and lose on the road at Jacksonville. And then you have the option of maybe hiring Sean Payton. That is the variable in this that I find to be the most interesting, Ron, is yes. 
it, Bob it's Sutton one thing. Done it. Sorry, that was the last one. Bob it, Sutton it's, done it. it's one thing if you've got a head coach that you think is just okay and there's not good options out there. It's another thing entirely if you've got that quarterback in that city and you've got a coach that's okay and you've got one of the probably five best coaches in the NFL available. And that's what prevent, presents itself to the Chargers. So for me, I'm between a rock and a hard place, Ron, because I'm with you. I think the Chargers are easily the more difficult opponent for the Chiefs, and I would like them to have the easiest route possible. But also, if they lose and hire Sean Payton, that makes the Chiefs' path a hell, a hell of a lot harder for years yeah, to come. Yeah, man. It's, I don't need yeah, that. Man. If, if they lose and Brandon Saley gets fired and they go out and they get Sean Payton, then you know all these conversations that we have like, Oh, Chargers. Yeah, right. We are never going to take them seriously, but national media loves them every year. That That changes with Sean Payton and Justin Herbert. And they still have – the Chargers still have cornerstones on that roster. Like, they still have talent on the roster, too. Forget forget that. I mean, he's got stuff that he did with the Saints. Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara. Like, I mean, he's got – I mean, big-body receiver and Michael Thomas and Marcus Colston and then Mike Williams. It would it would change like Justin Herbert, in my opinion, is already like one of the five best quarterbacks in football. But I I think it would change the trajectory totally that he's on right now, where if they choose to keep him or at the very least, they have to change offensive coordinators this offseason if they lose to the Jags. And when the week started, I was like, it's going to be the Chargers. They're going to beat the Jags. Jags are a fun story. uh, But, you know, but L.A. has been playing better. And Brandon Staley's really got that defense put together now after they had a really rough stretch in the middle of the season. And, but then they have that week 18 game where he insists on playing his starters. The game plan's terrible. And they go out there and they just straight up lose to a terrible football team. And Mike Williams gets hurt. Then I'm questioning the decision-making there and the thought process. And then in comes Doug Peterson, who I think is a light years better head coach who I think is going to come up with a really strong game plan to try to attack them. And the Chargers run defense is still hot garbage. Travis Etienne, really talented young running back that I think Doug Peterson is going to dial up a lot of things for. And he's going to put Trevor Lawrence in a good situation. And Trevor has looked really good down the stretch to get the Jags into the playoffs. And all of a sudden, I'm talking myself into the Jags. Like, I just changed my official pick. To Jacksonville, I am in on the Jags beating the right Chargers. now. You're doing it now. This yes. was the moment where you changed it. I already I changed it while we were sitting here talking because I talked myself into <laughs> this it. Is, I'm this all is, in this on is, the Jags right now. This is pure wishful thinking because uh, because you've just you've just completely you've completely ignored what he did against Tennessee in the last game. Cause you sit down the stretch. Yeah, ten, against, that's, a, that's a divisional opponent. Tennessee is just scrappy and gives everyone it. problems. Listen, you can it's, kiss they're going to be able to run all over the chargers. Okay, like you can kiss, you can kiss my divisional opponent. You can kiss my divisional opponent, but because he just completely had Zay Jones in the back of the end zone all by his lonesome. And, 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 and you, you learn from your failures in and those big moments, and you get better next time. Let's You'll calm get down. Better like, this just, time. Let's just calm down. He was horrible in that game <laughs> against the Tennessee Titans. If it wasn't for his defense making a play, they would have never scored. 